Welcome to episode two of season three of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Hello. Welcome back. What's up, Case? Hello. And Mr. Peter Crable. Did a little something different today, huh? Yeah, we did. On the intro music. We did, yeah. That was a tribute to frontman for the great 80s group, The Cars, Rick Ocasek, who passed away this past week. Uh, which you guys know that I was very sad about. I am very sad about. They were the soundtrack of my Generation X youth. Major, yeah. Major loss. Yes. Major loss. The cards were a great band. And I've gotten you guys to like them kind of, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you can't hear that in your headphones and not I know. feel a little jazzed. That, that was <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? That was awesome. We actually used music that's copyrighted. <laughs> You're not supposed to admit that. But whatever. Ca- Casey's got a, We a, have full permission a, to a, use it. He's got anxiety. From the publishing <laughs> agency. If anybody wants to contact us, you can, uh, Casey's the the Casey Siddons. Yeah, LLC. Ed's not dead. That's right. Speaking of, Ed's not dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. It's good to be back. Episode two of our third season. Ep two. Yeah, we got some we got some good feedback on episode one. It's great to be back. Thanks for joining us as always, folks. So, Mr. Crable, we have some giveaways, right? We do. We have some great giveaways. I'm, I'm looking at an Ed's Not Dead sticker. We're really doing the elementary education thing here because we're going to give these away. We're going to give them away. For good behavior. For great behavior. Okay, so you what, get a sticker on the sticker chart. So what do they have to do to earn this? Very sticker? little. But uh, one of two ways, uh, we would love a review on iTunes. Okay. Uh, just keep giving those reviews. If you do review us on iTunes, we won't be able to tell who you are or where to send it to. Okay. So just shoot us, um, either tweet at us or just send us a direct message and say, hey. So they have to tell us. Yeah, they got to tell us. Okay. I mean, I'll, we'll be able to see that somebody reviewed us, but we won't be able to necessarily ascertain who it was. All right. And the stickers are sweet, folks. They're sweet. We're going to tweet them out and tease them and say, wouldn't you like one of these? Okay. Um, Just like that. Yeah. In that exact same voice. Perfect on the corner of a back window of a car. Very nice. Or on the cover of a computer. Yes. Yeah. They're circular. Yeah. they're, They're good. And they're green. Yeah, they're lime green. Yes, and they're slightly bigger than Casey's dime-sized <laughs> stickers that he got before. I, I think they're they're only slightly bigger. They These have, are two they, inches. They rounded corners. That's right. All I know is that when, optical when he sent us the first like picture of those stickers, I was so psyched. And then when he put them down on the table... You thought it was going to be like an 8 by 10 It was like the size of a penny. <laughs> it came out of my own pocket. Okay. But they were, know, they were know, sweet right? stickers. I know. They were, they, were, yes. they were good. My mere um, teacher's salary. And people liked them. They did. Yeah. yeah. All right. We and got them on laptops around. Yeah, we got the rest of them. They're they're all gone. So. All right. And then the other way, um, if you tag ten people on Twitter and say, "Hey, listen to this episode," uh, we'll see that. And I guess you have to tag us too. Yeah, just tag us, and then we'll we'll when we decide or when we get the the, the mentions, then we'll we'll DM you to get your address. There you go. So one of two ways: either give us a review on iTunes and let us know. Or DM us or uh, tag us on Twitter, tag 10 other people, we'll send you five stickers. Cool. So and Ed, and all Ed, your friends. And Ed's Not Dead t-shirts are coming soon. Coming soon, yeah. Yep. I'm working with uh, with John over at DC Shirt and Print. Sweet. Uh, to get some some pretty awesome he's gonna shirts give us, made. He's going to give us the hookup? Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, folks, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter or, of course, check out the new website that Mr. Crable's worked so hard on, edsnotdead.com. And see those glamour pics that our friend Bruna took uh, that looks so looks so good, right, Mr. Siddons? Absolutely. Yep. So good. I did get uh, – I got some feedback. Oh, you got feedback on the show. But, uh, one of our fans. Okay. Joanna Sabatino-Hernandez. Right. She's a math teacher. And uh, she – I think I know Joanna. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, she said, I wanted to send <laughs> or you ma- – Or maybe not. I I'm wanted not sure. to send a congratulations on the baby. And she goes, I agree. No. You yeah. are not pregnant. You are not pregnant. She is. It's it's so, true. And it's good true. feedback. Wait, does that come from our discussion about that was on that we one, are pregnant. Was that, on, that, was that on the air? It was. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm totally. Sometimes it's hard to remember totally what we remember. talked about on the air and what we didn't. And then and then soon thereafter, uh, one of my favorite comedians, his special came out, and Bill Burr. Uh, Bill Burr, and uh, he literally talked about that. I didn't Within. say Bill Burr. Say Bill Burr good like he does in a, in Bill a, in a, in a nice uh, Boston accent. Boston. He said. <laughs> Bill Burr. I haven't watched him yet. It's 
he's hysterical. I'll, I'll watch. I it. listen uh, it, because you've been talking about him and sent us that clip. Yeah, uh, I did listen to an interview of his with Joe Rogan. Um, uh, on Joe, Joe Rogan's Rogan. podcast Jeez, recently. The tinfoil Joe Rogan. Jeez. <laughs> I don't can't know. Stand him. I never know. met a c- conspiracy theory he didn't like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I can't believe you lasted the whole four-hour podcast. Oh no, no. I listen. I listen what's to the name, about, what's the name of the pod? The Joe Rogan Experience. It's the most popular it, podcast in the world. It's got. Are a, you kidding me? A bajillion it's, people listen to. Maybe it. we should crazy. get him on the show. Does he know uh, anything about not. education? I'll take a sabbatical okay. for that one. Right. <laughs> you really that anti Joe Rogan? I, I hate Joe. Rogan. I've never really listened to his. As always, we know how Casey feels. It's terrible. Is it political? It's everything. He, okay. he just puts, he puts a voice as an as someone who is the number one podcast in the world. Really, he gives a voice to people who are sh- who should not have a voice. <laughs> okay, All right, alrighty. <laughs> is he the four chan of podcasts? Uh not ooh, that bad. Ooh, I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> Was that just a really strong sense? Is Crable going to have to edit that out? No. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's just radical. He's just an idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a great show tonight. Uh, we are going to discuss Khan Academy's growing use for pay, right? School systems are now contracting with Khan Academy mm-hmm. to do professional development with teachers, mm-hmm. to teach teachers how to use Khan Academy as an instructional tool, mm-hmm. uh, although Khan Academy is a nonprofit. But we're going to delve into that. I know Mr. Crable has some feelings about the use of technology in classrooms. I'm having feelings. Okay, so (laughs) we're going to get into that. And then we have a very special interview, fellas, with our friend Lee, who is a ninth grader, 14-year-old in New York, who recently wrote a response to an op-ed in the LA Times that lamented the death of reading in the current generation. Mm Mm-hmm. And how kids are too distracted by screens and social media mm-hmm. to really develop good reading habits. And Lee wrote a really pithy, uh, well thought out response. And uh, so we're we're psyched to hear what she has to say on the show. Yeah, it'll be uh, nice to get the you, student you, perspective. You, you I that do. Up. I do enjoy talking to kids about their experience in school. Yeah, I and mean, we and we've done that over three seasons. Yeah, we yeah. have, and uh, I think it's something that educators need to do more of. Yeah. Not only on our podcast, but just in general. Yeah. I like how unvarnished they are. Yes. They, they, they'll they, say it. Oh, yeah. They'll they, tell you. Yeah. They, they keep it real. They do. Yeah. And yeah. they'll tell you how it is, no matter, and they don't care. Do you like doing this? No, I don't. Yeah. I oh. don't. Well, I was not expecting that. Adults are stupid. They don't really, <laughs> they don't really understand what we're going they through. They don't know how to teach. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then also, Casey, you have you have Dear Betsy, back by popular demand. DB, without getting in trouble, hopefully. The, the Education Freedom Tour, going around the country promoting freedom in education. I can't wait to get my magnet and my shirt. All right. So, <laughs> Nothing then, more med- American sounding than that. And, then, and, and we're, uh, we're going to double up in the last episode because we're going to have Dear Betsy and a quiz. That's right. A Sidden special. An actual good quiz this time. Yeah, he was beating himself up. He was, he, yeah, he, in, the, he, in the group text. He did, he yeah, felt, say he texted he was, us that he felt oh, inadequate I about it. I, uh, I still don't. Even, I, I, I think I want to cut it out actually now. <laughs> what? The quiz or last week's last quiz? Last week's quiz. This one's going to be. Better. Yeah, I think we can I do that. I can't imagine. It's, it's not going to be much better, but it's better. It's too late. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm getting my articles mixed up here. We were we were we were going to do how Dewey lost the. The, the thought battle of the 20th century, but we're not doing that. We're going to talk about Khan Academy. Yeah, we may, but, which by the way, we may do on the 19th. Um, I'm going to see if the author, David Labory, yep. it's Stanford University, mm, yeah. um, will come on and talk to us about it. It's very thought-provoking and very long, <laughs> uh, which is usually our kryptonite. But... And you want to front-load it? With what? With just, what's it about? Oh, um how Dewey uh, talks about John Dewey, that is the great progressive, educator. the great progressive educator um, speaks in flowery flowing terms about education that I think pretty much all educators get behind. We right. talked about this a little bit yeah. uh, on, on the last pod, uh, but that it requires the perfect or good conditions to grow. And he had a bit of a, I'll say nemesis. I don't know if it was quite a nemesis. Thorndike? Uh, uh, Snedder, Snedeker or okay. something like that? I, yeah. I'd have to look it up. Snedden. Snedden, thank you. Very good, Mr. Sids. Um, had a more utilitarian view of education and the education that should essentially produce workers with applicable skills and right. hireable skills. And that um, although we talk about Dewey as a leader and we love his ideas, in fact, we've succumbed more to... 
the the latter. Thankfully, uh, that argument has been solved. <laughs> How do we solve it? No, it's already been solved. Oh, we already did. Okay, yeah, it's done. Well, then we don't have to talk about That's it. That's right. Yeah, well, I, I won't get him on. I want to. I love I love Dewey so much. I used one of his famous quotes in the last line of my dissertation. Did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's pretty Always, cool. when in doubt, use a Dewey. I always quote. Say, just Absolutely. look up Dewey quotes. Yeah, you'll find something you'll yeah, like. They're they're good. All right, so let's talk about Khan Academy. Compton Unified School District first started using Khan Academy when they deployed the online learning tool on their own. But now several systems in California are actually paying Khan to, uh, for their services to train teachers um, and mostly to teach teachers how to use Khan instructionally. Uh, so I want to get your take on this. One system is going to pay $44,000 a year mm-hmm. to partner with Khan. Um, and the article cites it as a growing role that Khan Academy wants to play inside America's classrooms. So what do you guys think? I mean, you, we've seen kids now for, I guess, over a decade using Khan Academy at night when they need help. Um, tutors use it. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen classroom teachers use it, Casey, quite a bit. So now it could become a more generalized thing through partnerships with school systems. What's your first response to it? Let me let me tell you what I like first. So I like that Khan is a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, as Sal Khan, the CEO and founder, says, uh, he thinks that being not for profit increases the trust level that folks have with us. And yep. I do think that's true. And it talks about how in the article, although they are charging school districts, in fact, what they're charging school districts does not cover the cost of creating and implementing. So right. they are running into a bit of a deficit that they make up for in philanthropy. So I do think in terms of motives and what looks good on paper, that looks really good. Sure. I do think that there is a place for Khan Academy, just as you said, um, if students are on their own at night outside of the school, I do think that it can serve a place to help reinforce and or try learning a concept in a different manner or a different place. Not only kids, you're missing one stakeholder group. Teachers? No. Parents. Parents? Absolutely. Okay. I've used it many times with my oldest child. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a great job at explaining concepts and um, even things that are complicated for, I don't know, for any lay person. Yeah. It's helpful. So I think all of all of those are um, speak to the role that it can play uh, in okay, education. Give, it, give us the bad. But, but... Do you want to give us the good before he gives yeah, us give, the give bad? Yeah, give more good. What, what else am I missing um, on the good? I, th- I think you summed it up pretty nicely. I think, um, obviously, both... I think the school district and... Khan Academy as a as a whole, I think they're going in with good intentions. They're they're trying to bring in a program to support kids in a different way, supplement learning, hopefully, not supplant learning. And they're I think the Khan Academy has a genesis from positive intentions and support. And I will say one thing that I left out too, um, is the personalized and targeted approach. So they are able to take things um like um, test scores on map, the measures for academic progress, right. and then create um, personalized areas of instruction based on... Growth targets. Yeah, yep. what other data says that those particular students need help on. Yeah, so they're, this, they're new paid offerings, 218,000 students in seven school districts, and Khan's going to be offering teacher training, data dashboards... And then, as you mentioned, Mr. Crable, um, they're going to help students prepare for NWEA's MAP growth test. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is a good test. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the but? What's the but? So, the, the but, um, and what concerns me is the growing trend away from the role of teachers in the classroom um, and the increasing importance of self directed computer learning. So I do think that there's a time and a place for kids to figure things out on their own. I do think there's a time and a place to let kids struggle. I do think there's a time and a place for independent learning. What worries me, though, is that it becomes the norm and or it becomes the crutch for how kids learn. I'm not convinced that students who are struggling and are students who are disengaged in schools are going to come to school excited about the fact that they're going to sit in front of a computer 
and watch video tutorials, and that's how they're going to learn. Right. Why don't they do it at home? Do what at home? Why do they need to be in school for that? They could just watch the video well, at home. Well, sure. so let me ask you. But that's, that's my point. Yeah. Is that I'm concerned that that's what it will end up becoming, or that that's will end up becoming the understanding of how it should be used. Okay, yeah. so let me flip that just a little bit, because yes. I want you both to weigh in on this. So you're thinking of it as as what I refer to, Casey knows this, as potentially high involvement, low learning, right? They're sitting in front of a computer screen. They're semi-passive. They're watching something. Chromebooks and other technology tools are used a lot. Math games, all that kind of stuff is used extensively in the classroom. But I was thinking, and maybe this is the geezer in me that I am, that um, what about a teacher standing in front of a room teaching quadratics and uh, there's a really great lesson in Khan on quadratics and they use a five-minute tutorial and the kids are sitting there and they watch it. So it's a part of direct instruction. It's an explanatory device, to quote John Saphir. What's your take on that? Totally fine. Yeah, I think time, time and place. Yeah, okay. Totally fine. And I mean, teachers are doing that all the time anyway. Yeah, and right? and, and, to, and right. to clarify, you know, I don't think that like a non-computer-based lesson is somehow inherently better than a computer-based econ- academy lesson. By no means do I think that. But I do know that as um, ed tech goes, it's sort of like a beast that is never satiated. Right. And it just consumes, consumes, consumes more, more, more. And in general, in education, when we find something we like, I'm not so sure that we're good at moderation and implementing things in moderation. Well, I think think we're... You're being charitable. We're more interested in in, um, magical one-step solutions. Well, and and Chromebooks, or at least having laptops in front of kids, tends to be a moderating factor on behavior issues. You're right, because they might be on something else and they're... It doesn't mean they're off task. It just means that they're not cutting up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, but it's just like anything else. It like does when you, their behavior. W- uh, when I was in high school and we spent two weeks watching Saving Private Ryan, I mean, that was just watching VHS tapes the entire class. I'd say that's similar to watching right. any kind of totally. video. Those, right. those, I mean, I'm not saying that's any... Those movies we used to watch in the old days on in social on the, studies. On the laser disc? Yeah. No, on the... On the, on the Oh, the real, the real. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, real, oh, I real. Those. Yeah, those I had those in elementary school. Yep. Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, pedagogical expert, and I say that seriously. So back to my point, if you're using a con lesson as an explanatory device as a teacher, what does that do? Are there other dynamics that get lost if you're using some lesson to show something to kids then the teacher just logically is not interacting with them anymore. The kids are sitting watching this. They're not right. interacting with with the with Khan on the screen. They're you, I guess you could read the room as a teacher and sure. see who's but you're not checking. You're you're not um you're not promoting discourse. You're, yeah. You're what? what I, I'm just the role. You're basically sidelined. And so, what I'm getting at is, there's something lost in that interplay between teacher and students when a teacher is explicitly explaining something, and they're a real person in the front of the room. But now this is a this is a video. Am I overthinking that? I don't think so. I think. Well, I mean, are you? What's the point of having a teacher in the room? Right. I mean, why don't we just have an auditorium or, or go down to Redskins stadium and, and have just lectures on. You know, right. So if a kid raises their hand in the middle of the video and says, I, I don't, I didn't get that part. And, and if, but if you don't have an expert in the classroom who knows how to do it, right. And knows how to break it down piece by piece, then it's, it's not going to be very helpful for, especially for students who are struggling or, and, and even those who are, need enriched instruction. So the human element of teaching cannot be lost or should not be lost. And that, so yeah, and I was going to say two points. So one, teaching, in my opinion, is it's a people business. Right. At its heart, it's not about the content. It's it's about people and connecting Mm -hmm. with kids 
and having kids know that you believe in them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think that's super important. Now, to your the other point that you brought up, um, again, your first example, they, instead of doing a five-minute direct instruction and everybody right. watches a video, that's, yeah, totally. I think that's, that's, to, that's totally fine. Okay. But again, my concern is having kids parked in front of computers doing self-paced and self-guided and whatever lessons in the absence of interaction with teacher and the teacher really, aside from looking at data on a dashboard, which you have access to, right? Um, you know, some sort of real professional judgment about what kids do or do not get and why they don't get it. Because okay. that's the one thing about data dashboards is they don't, it doesn't go into the why, the, meta, the metacognitive part. You just know that a kid couldn't do X and Y. But you're not sure. So you're re- you're not really taught. You're then n- now you're into the dashboard and and understanding what the kid that diagnostic piece of understanding what they know. Well, getting beyond what they know or don't know and the why behind it. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's another app. Uh, not similar to Khan Academy. I don't know. I, there must be some different. The way I understand Khan Academy it was like YouTube videos of a black screen, and he's like, yeah, using the equations. I don't know if that's different for these teacher trainings or for for how they're ex- expecting teachers to use it. But there's another in, uh, ed tech fad. I'm going to call it a fad, but it's it's called Pear Deck. Oh, and yeah. um, I see people using it all the time. It's super. I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Um, I've seen teachers use it to positive effect. But it just seemed to me like when I would see it every day that like as a student, why do I want to be in this classroom? I'm sitting in front of a Chromebook and I'm watching you proceed through the slides and I get to interact by myself every few minutes to what end? I mean, like it just does. I mean, that's not that it loses the whole point of being in in a classroom with other kids. Not. Yeah. Not to get too deep on this, but I I was thinking about your contention about them sitting in front of laptops looking at a lesson but in theory how is that any different than 27 kids looking at a promethean board it's not it's kind of the same thing right yeah totally so but you're you're taking it a step further which is then in that situation a teacher would step in and then could assess well who got this who didn't um your issue might be with the computerized process on a on a laptop. It's not going to tell the whole story. Right. Okay. And I'm I'm kind of and then the other thing I think I'm kind of of two minds about this um, is about struggling students. And so my first thought was, if I'm a struggling student, I'm already struggling, and this is not going to necessarily help me. But then the other part of me thinks, well, if I'm a struggling student and the teacher maybe is teaching one thing to everybody and I can't access that. Well, maybe this does give me the opportunity to do the things that I need to do um, to help catch up in order to access. That. Yeah, I, wouldn't you already agree both of you that I'm, I might get killed for this, um, but give us a show review and you'll get a sticker. <laughs> uh, we didn't say how many stars <laughs> that in a lot of situations in schools, we there's this tendency to turn over struggling kids to the robots to the technology Uh, yes that yeah i mean math games that reinforce basic facts reading programs that are for we don't we don't teach basic math anymore second language learners a a lot of a lot of the 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 software or tech industry for education has been to to what to remediate to catch up right Versus higher level right. kinds of things where, you know, kids are kids are getting real a lot of rigor. Um, I, I'm not. I mean, I guess this could be used in a rigorous way, but to me, it also sounds like it's it's to fill gaps. I wonder, you know, what would this look like if instead of spending it on even one to one technology, that we spent our resources more towards reducing class sizes where you had more close interaction with kids in a real foundational level that allows you to differentiate right. small groups, intervene incorporate discussion, kids. intervene I'll, with I kids. I mean, I'll say yes and no. I mean, the thing about technology that makes it so appealing, it's a, it's a one-off cost. Uh, no, I, I totally understand that. But you know? what I am saying, in the, the teacher, other than the student, the teacher is the most important per, person in that room. 
Yeah. Obviously, because totally there's only two groups because it would be a teacher and a student. But uh, <laughs> I'm in the I'm classroom saying, like, sometimes. In terms too. of incorp- in terms of improving student ach- achievement, the 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 number one important thing is to have a, an effective and well trained educator in that in that room. All right, so I'll leave you with a quiz, really quick. Well, hold on, because we've been talking about outcomes. Can I talk about outcomes? Because that is in this article. By the way, for outcomes. those of you listening, student achievement. Uh, Mr. Crable, he just put up a, a one the, the pointer finger. He did. He, did, he totally which, told which me. Doctor Dodd does not get a lot. Maybe <laughs> other than his son, <laughs> I do not get it. You do not get the no, the, the hold on finger. Crable's been using that a lot lately with his two boys. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I've been just saying please and thank you. The, the um, three-armed Crables. <laughs> go. Um, but in terms of outcomes in Khan Academy, so it's been around for 14 years, uh, but the research on its use in classrooms is limited. And, <laughs> of course it is. Right. <laughs> and part of that, um, it sounds like because there hasn't been a lot of transparency or research into what the outcomes or gains have been. However, for some students on California's uh, state test, correlated with higher student usage of Khan Academy, as in they did better mm-hmm. when they used Khan Academy. Mm-hmm. But the study said it wasn't necessarily because of that. So it, it was a correlation, but the usage of Khan Academy did not necessarily constitute um, a raise in test scores. Right. Well, causation is pretty hard to, to, to get of in, in social science. Right. I mean, and, sometimes you're happy with a correlation. And one, <laughs> one-third of students said they liked math more after using Khan Academy. Yeah, I think Which kids, I think that in, that might be the, the best data point be, in there. I, I agree. And, I think and, kids like Khan Academy. Well, and because if you can find different ways to explain something like math or, or really right. any kind of complex topic yeah. and students feel successful at it, they're going to like it more. Yeah. So if, if you can use it to help explain something that the way I'm explaining it, the way my brain works as a math teacher, I'm explaining it, you're not getting it. So here's an alternate way of demonstrating that same concept, then it should be used. Yeah. yeah. All right, give us your quiz. Uh, name a computerized literacy program for higher achieving kids. None. I, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I can't name Noble them. Day School up in Massachusetts does not have Khan Academy. Name one for kids that are struggling readers. Read 180. There you go. I mean, you didn't... You study, bar- you bar- study Island. You bar- <laughs> Study Island. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, I do remember oh, Study Island. Oh, I, yeah. I, no, that, I think that, yeah, reinforces your point pretty pretty strongly. I just feel like it's another way to kind of warehouse kids into technology that that whose phone keeps digging. Not mine. Is that mine? It's not mine. <laughs> that would be mine. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot we're doing a podcast. And, anyway, but yes, it warehouses kids to the robots, like you said. I, I like that term. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, don't go away. We are psyched to have. Lee, who is a ninth grader in high school in New York, who's going to come on the show and talk to us about her fury over those of us of older generations <laughs> and our assertions that uh, we're not we're not producing good readers because kids are spending too much time engaged with what Tech- technology. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. Fellas, we are really excited tonight to have on a student guest. Mm-hmm. Periodically, we like to get young people on the show to f- get their take on the world and things related to education. So tonight, we are honored to have Lee, who is a 14-year-old ninth grader from New York, who wrote a very compelling response to an op-ed by Jeremy Adams, where he laments the decline among teens of serious reading. Um, and Lee had some pretty strong feelings about that and responded in a really well-written op-ed. So, Lee, welcome to Ed's Not Dead. Uh, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And we are totally psyched to have you on the show. So let's jump in. I'm going to hit you with the first question. Tell us what motivated you to write up a response to Jeremy Adams' article lamenting this decline among teens of, quote-unquote, serious reading with, with your generation. Well, first of all, I, 
I'll have you know, I've always been a bit of a publicity hog. So <laughs> periodically, I troll the op-eds for something to get mad about. You, you, and you, you, you like attention dollars? You like this? A little, but mostly the attention I get is mostly just for my parents while I'm screaming in their ears. So. Uh, okay, nice. <laughs> this, is, this is a nice change of pace. Uh, eventually, I got away from the op-eds, but, you know, I just started reading the op-ed page, and um, I saw this op-ed called The Death of Serious Reading. And uh, I'll have you know that if I hate one thing in life, I hate sequels so much. I could go on for hours about how much I hate sequels. Oh, so I thought it was going to be, like, I don't know, critici- criticizing J.K. Rowling's decision to, like, <laughs> Go, they're only going to be seven bucks, and go, wait, no, I saw there was money, never mind. <laughs> Which, you know, I was all for. But then it turned out it was just yet, yet another boomer basically going, back in my day, these kids read good books, like that book of, by Stephen King where the woman gets raped again for walking outside late at night. <laughs> So, you know, that really pissed me off, and I spent, like, the rest of the day shrieking up up at my parents about it, which is, like, way longer than I normally last, which is, like, 30 minutes, and they finally got so mad of hearing about about hearing it over and over again that they, they, my mom especially, she's pointing to herself right now and mouthing me, uh... There, she was just like, write an op-ed about it. The newspapers will love to hear it. And I was like, get damn right, Jeremy Adams is going to hear about this. Oh, so. boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so that was the motivation. All right. Yeah. Well, well so, now we know where you stand on sequels and Jeremy Adams. <laughs> that was good. Uh, so I, I'm an expecting parent. Coming soon. Uh-huh. So what advice would you give to parents who are worried that their kids are playing too much uh, as Robbie calls, Mindcraft, <laughs> and not spending enough time reading. Uh, okay, that really depends on what age you're talking about, actually, I would say. Because reading is a big part of high school curriculum, so I would say at a young age, it's important to try to get kids to like reading so they don't spend the rest of their school career hating it. Right. But like, yeah. once a kid reaches like 10, they've probably decided whether they've liked reading or not. And rather than making them feel guilty about something that they probably beat themselves up over, honestly, judging from the state of anxiety among my peers, yes. all you can do really is is support somebody when they decide, I like this, I don't like this. Right. And honestly, a big concern for parents is that video games are just like mindless clicking or mindless scrolling. And although, I mean, I wouldn't exactly count time on Instagram as like constructive thinking time, I... Like, I have a friend who's super into Minecraft, and he would build this, like, amazing stuff with it. He would spend, like, hours making people's faces in Minecraft or, like, building these really big, like, redstone constructions. Honestly, I never really did that. Mainly, I just, like, ran away from zombies. But, like, (laughs) it's all about the level of engagement with media, and that can happen no matter what the form is. Like, it's like... You can be on your phone scrolling through Instagram, or you can, like, be on your phone identifying birds. You can, like, be reading, like, like Pulp Fiction, or you can be reading, like, highbrow poetry. It It's not the media's form. It's whether you care about it and whether you're engaged with it. And honestly, that's something that can ha- happen no matter whether something is video games or reading, and that's something I feel really passionate about talking about. Do you, do you think... Um, so one of the quotes from the article that I pulled out from his article was, the, the, then the era of the smartphone invaded the classroom and everything changed. So what, what do you think the use of technology is a problem at all for teens? Or to what extent is it a problem? Well, I would like to start this out with I think technology isn't just a problem in terms of phones because, as my mom would say, she spent her entire childhood perched in front of the TV. Mm. So I'd like to start this out with, I think that technology use can be a problem, but it's not a phone-only problem. Mm. It, like, it lasts. And I mean this in terms of with uh, technology, I don't think it's a problem in the classroom, per se. Like, honestly, kids are going to be distracted no matter what's going on. Do I see... I think it enables distraction, but honestly, 
like, I've listened to, to music on my headphones a couple times during really boring classes, and it was either that or fall asleep. And honestly, I think my teachers prefer me listening to music. <laughs> so you sound like a really well-adjusted teen, Lee. Um, I, I'm curious about how you, because you're, you're obviously a big reader, I assume, too, right? Yeah, I love reading. Right. So, so how did you just kind of naturally create this balance for yourself where you're highly literate, you love to read, but you also use technology to consume and maybe even create art in your own way? Where, 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 did, where did those good habits come from? Well, I'd like to start out with social media. I see social media as entirely separate for technology. Okay. I hate social media. I have used like Instagram for three months and I have never gone back. Okay. So I actually think that's important. Like technology and social media are really almost, they're almost different things. Okay. Social media is about seeing as much as possible in a short span and engaging very lightly with, with, with detached networks of people. But I think a lot of video games, for example, are really about forging deeper long-term connections. Like my dad always complains about that. He likes video games, but he never plays them because he already has a real life job. (laughs) And I think that's what, uh, engaging with any form of media is it's like a a second life almost it's another way of thinking Mm -hmm. but social media really only extends your first life into all these uncomfortable areas where you don't want this life to be so when you're trying to escape you just see other people's lives and that's not very fun yeah. Okay, that that was the whole social media tangent. No, but that's good because I, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to draw the distinction between technology and social, social media because I right. think a lot of adults would probably equate them the same thing. And when they refer to technology, I think they're also referring generally to social media. Yeah, they throw without, it all in there. Yeah, making right, the yeah. distinction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Go ahead. Yeah, that's totally my problem. It's like I honestly am like really old fashioned kind of in that I hate social media. But I don't like it when people are just like, oh, technology is the worst. And it's like, uh, I'm sure you enjoy going to the movies and not seeing black and white pictures. But right. I bet you I bet you, if you ask 9 out of 10 high school students if they enjoy their time on social media, they would they would say that they don't. Don't you think? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I agree. They're, they're on it all the time but because they, they feel compelled because that's how they communicate with their, a lot of their peers. But you can't tell me that they have enjoyable experiences on it. On a, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I can't. And I honestly think that that misleads a lot of people into thinking that the technology that's inspired social media can only be used for this kind of false partial escape. But, like, it can be used for so many other great things. And you just have to, and you just have to, like... I think a big part of reading for a lot of people is like, oh, it's just me. It's an escape from everything else. And quite honestly, like Minecraft can be that too. In Minecraft, there's like there's no other people around to disrupt your bubble unless unless you're doing multiplayer. But that's like a whole other deal, right? And that's the and that's the kind of thing when we want to escape, we don't go where other people are. And this idea of social media has created a false idea that all technology enables is false escapes kind of and that creates this fear that the older generation has that like the younger generation doesn't experience things as fully as they do because they don't have inner lives i'm i'm cu- is, i'm curiously is your yeah. is your um i felt some kinship with your mom when you talked about her plop down in front of the tv is she a gen xer like me cuz i did the same thing yeah she's a She's 50 years old, yeah. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Raised uh, by the TV. Raised by the, the latchkey kids. Raised by the TV. All right. Well, we're going to we're gonna keep an eye out for you, Lee. And we've loved having you on the show. Right, guys? Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for taking time. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on a, on a podcast run by three older guys. Um, <laughs> one, one Gen Xer and two millennials. And we wish you all the best in school and in your personal life. And... 
Uh, we, we wish you the best as you continue to seek to try to stri- strike that balance in your own life. So thanks for coming on Ed's Not Dead. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, have, uh, I wish you guys the best, too. Right. And make sure you, make sure you check us out on social media, Lee. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll talk to you. Thanks, Lee. Uh, thank you. All Bye. Right. Bye. And we are back. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. It's just what I needed. <laughs> yeah, that, that car's just what I needed. That was a great way to start so the show. Good. It was. It was. Too bad we've gotten a cease, to, cease and desist order. <laughs> I know. Already. Already. How did they know? I don't know. Thank, thanks again to our star of the show, Lee. We really loved having her on. She made some incredible points, and she's obviously very bright. Yeah. There were a few times where her thinking about... Uh, technology and social media the way she the way she separated those two was frame the difference i really yeah, yeah. very thoughtful i think i've yeah, always like probably com- been guilty of conflating those as well yes yes me too so anyway we want to thank her for coming on it's not dead and we can't wait till she zings the adult world again with another op-ed Bing. Woo. all right so let's get to it without further ado it is that time Cue the music. <laughs> we have been on a Dear Betsy hiatus, and we are back. So, Mr. Siddons, what do you got? Got to wait until there's there's news. Is, you know, that's is, right? Is, is she's it, been in she's been in hiding? Is it true now that she has survived three years of the administration? <laughs> yep, she's she, she is one of the last ones standing. One the, the lone survivor, Ben with, Carson, with Kiefer Sutherland. Her and Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Yeah, kind of the two names that pop out. Ben M- Carson. Munchin was Munchin. Mnuchin. Mnuchin. Munchin. Jeez, you know. <laughs> it is confusing that it's MN. I'm sorry. Uh, ben Carson <laughs> might not last after the news from today. So, okay. I'll let people Google that one. Right. All right. And w- we're not concerned with him and, and HUD. We're concerned uh, with housing policy is education policy. Oh, very Thank good. You, Richard okay. Rothstein. Thank you, Richard Rothstein. Thank you. Okay. There you go. Nice, yeah, nice, nice association. Bringing there. it back. Free association. Free association. Okay. All right. Very go ahead. Dewey. Very Dewey. Um, Educa- uh, so I'm reading the Washington Post here. Right. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos began her 2019 back-to-school tour it, Monday, right? Is there a link I should be looking at? You could look at it if you want. Okay, go ahead. So she, it's called the, what is it called, Mr. Krabs? Education Freedom Tour Freedom 2019. Tour, <laughs> tour, tour, tour. tour. Uh, and, and the quote here that really makes me happy is, given that she runs a publicly funded department and that most U.S. <laughs> students attend schools in traditional public systems, you might think she would go to one in a district working hard to improve its academic performance. Well, she's never been one to go to public schools. No. No. Uh, no, she didn't. She did not go to a public school, and she didn't choose a city because of the achievements of its public schools. Rather, she went to St. Marcus Lutheran School in Milwaukee and touted that city as the birthplace of modern education freedom. So what does that mean? What does it in mean? In what city you said? Uh, Mil- Mil- Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I thought it was Minneapolis. Remember we talked about? No, that's the that's the that's the cradle of the charter movement. Yeah. So she and the, I the charter the, I the piece the said that thing. it's a reference to a program started under a 1989 law that was the first in the country to give substantial public funding for students to use for private non-sectarian schools. It later expanded to include religious schools. So you know, good start to the year with our wonderful. I love the messaging, day. by the way. The Education freedom. And she's been in the Department of Education has been very consistent about equating um, <laughs> not having to go to public schools mm-hmm. as freedom. Right. Yeah. Freedom yeah. to choose. Yeah. Um, on a corollary note, did you hear about um, Assistant U.S. Secretary of Education Scott Stump? I did. I saw a headline for it, but tell us more. <laughs> what about Mr. Stump? So he visited uh, Tucson, Arizona. Right. Which, if you've not heard our interview with Kathy Hoffman, go back and do that. You should. we did. Great interview. Um, but he visited University High School, and he touted uh, its Blue Ribbon School status. And he said, we're here celebrating not just the Blue Ribbon School status from a few years ago, but also the fact that Arizona charter schools have done something really unique in the past decade. Presumably implicating the fact that University High School was a charter school, <laughs> which he thought it was. Uh, and then a reporter 
afterwards uh, said, uh, just so you know, uh, University High School is actually a public school. And he insisted <laughs> that no, it was not. <laughs> no, University High School is a charter school, Stump said, before going on to explain how charter schools differ from pr- traditional public schools. See, charter schools are public schools, oh. Stump said. It's kind of a misconception. I see. Yeah, it's kind of a misconception. We've been wrong all this time. Yeah, they have to be attached Jeez. either to a school district or some statewide authorizing body that holds them accountable like a public school district <laughs> oh. and it's a straight up public school Got you don't have to you have to test to get in it is a testing <laughs> school yeah yes but it is a straight up <laughs> traditional public school all right mr stump so which is, ta- casey which is kind of amusing casey tell me about the education freedom scholarships <laughs> did you see that no okay so oh i missed De- that De- devos and president trump said that when they took office, expanding school choice was their top priority. So education freedom scholarships would be funded by individuals and businesses, and this is a shocker, who wanted to privately donate to what I guess we can all guess. But Trump's 2020 budget plan includes $5 billion that would be used to pay for tax credits <laughs> that donors would receive on a dollar-for-dollar basis. Nice. I'm going to donate. <laughs> a dollar for a scholarship gets you a dollar tax credit. So the, I guess they're incentivizing the wealthy to donate to... Well, we know what education freedom scholarships are. They're mm-hmm. vouchers. Vouchers, yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Oh, I had passed that. <laughs> yeah, they're, va- they're vouchers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they've been also been consistent about that. They're, yeah. If nothing else, they're consistent. Um, and then she tried to advance a new definition of public funding. And she said in a tweet, if the taxpayer is paying for education, it's public education. I don't know if you knew that. I, there, there, sounds, there, sounds is, logical. there is no system. There is no system. Uh, getting down to brass tax, the federal government would be foregoing up to $5 billion in revenue to cover the cost of DeVos's education freedom scholarships. Private actors may be fronting this money with their donations, but they would get a dollar-for-dollar tax credit in return. That's money that could have been put to another use, such as... Public schools? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Good start to the school year. I kind of wish I knew more about the federal budget, education budget under DeVos. We haven't really, we haven't really yeah. peeled that onion. No, no. I'm, we talked a little bit about uh, when they, when she came out with the budget sometime last year. Yeah. And was kind of roundly, is it lambasted? Lambasted? Lambasted. 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 on the first that's syllab- as, syllable. That's, that's as bad as Stephen Munchen. <laughs> Munchen. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce words good. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, All but right. thank you for clearing that up. Okay. So anyway, there you go. Uh, so, dear Betsy, dear Betsy, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. We expect you to be on the next. We episode. missed you. We're 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 glad to have you. So, all those all, all our fans out there that love dear Betsy, there you go. You got your fix. <laughs> now we know most of you don't like our quizzes. <laughs> But we're going to do one anyway. Wrong. Mr. Siddons, is it going to be better than last time? Oh, it's going to be so much better. All right. What do you got for us? It's not on homework, is it? Well, so since we talked about it beforehand. (laughs) Just kidding. You took my my homework idea. That was the... It was, yeah. I did. That was the discussion I might have scrolled down further than I should have and and looked at the first question. Before we got on to the recording of the show, we had a, a lengthy discussion of homework and the pressures that our students are experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and Definitely more homework now than ever. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. yeah. absolutely. Um, I just didn't do my homework, so it's going up from zero. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. In school, anyway. So, what do you got? ready? It's a it's a quiz on homework, and then I I, I threw in some some extra extra point uh, questions about the Khan Academy. Oh, wow! It's yeah. so topical. I'm trying to be a little more tops. Nice, I like mm-hmm. it. All right, number one. In, uh, this 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 reference for this uh, question is maybe not accurate. In what year was the concept of homework invented? A. 1905, B. 1922, C. 1843, or D. 1943? I'm going to go with 43. Yeah, whatever the latest one was is mm. what I was going to go with. Correct answer, at least from this person, 1905. Okay. Invented by Roberto Neveles, an Italian pedagogue who invented the homework. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually quoted the homework. 
<laughs> and is it pedagogue or pedagogue? <laughs> I pedagogue. I feel I feel <laughs> when smarter you, when I say pedagogy. Pedagogue. When you <laughs> when you said pedagogy, I had a moment where I wondered whether it was a Steve Munchen. <laughs> I didn't know whether you Steve Munchen. Uh, All pe- right, pedagogue. Pedagogue. It just sounds well. It's pedagogical, right? I don't know. Pedagogy. But again, I think you sound smarter when you say pedagogy. Pedagogy, yeah, pedagogy is good. Pedagogy. <laughs> yeah, that, that soft G is good. It's All right, number good. two. According to the National Parent Teacher Association, they talk about the 10-minute rule. Uh, children should... Oh, no, I just gave the answer. Never mind. <laughs> 10 minutes. So I got uh, it. So there's one, a t- one for me. One for, terrible. One. Uh, children should have no more than how many minutes of homework for each grade mm. reached, and the choices were five, ten, twelve, and fifteen. The answer is fifteen. <laughs> the ten minute rule. <laughs> the ten minute rule. <laughs> okay. So uh, all right. Anyway, in first grade, children should have ten minutes of daily homework, and second grade, twenty minutes, so on. In the twelfth grade, when an average, they should have one hundred twenty minutes of homework each day. I got to tell you, I that's that seems that, like that's I, more like it. A lot. I can tell you, I have a first grader. One hundred twenty minutes—that's two hours. When you're, how are you supposed to not do two hours if you're taking multiple AP courses Every or, night? or 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 you're studying for an IB diploma or you're? I mean, I I don't I don't know. AP, it's, a, it's, a, it's, AP curriculum. It's a discussion is for another day about how the effectiveness of homework. Okay. Um, anyway, you were saying. No, I said yeah, I have a first grader, and the idea of doing ten minutes of homework every night is a bit daunting, yeah, and unappealing, quite frankly. I mean, we read for they, ten. We read. I guess we read for ten minutes, you know, or more than ten minutes. So aren't they count are, that as homework? Get shouldn't, ready, shouldn't get ready students, for the tears. Shouldn't students have to be able to do the homework by themselves, not with parents' help? <laughs> no, then how would you get those killer science fair projects? <laughs> anyway. I, I like teachers who view homework as classwork that they're working on that oh, they didn't finish because yeah. they don't have good time management no but i mean if it if it takes a little longer you can finish it at home wait are you saying that's good or bad oh i i, I, I like that idea it's not i mean because to me then it kind of naturally extends what's going on in the classroom it's it's not you guys are not, buying not a it. fan of it okay well I, it's, a, it's a discussion for another day okay <laughs> fine all right go ahead number three in 2013 the university of phoenix college of education College of Education commissioned a survey of how much homework teachers typically give their students. From kindergarten to fifth grade, it was just under... I'm sorry. Totally, I'm making sure I don't give you the answer again. <laughs> radio silence. It's so bad. It's a killer on our ratings. Uh, it's okay. Uh, so, how many... That's really bad. You're going to have to cut all this out. It's so uncomfortable. Did you write a question? I wrote the question. <laughs> this quiz is it's so bad. We were promised a better quiz. Jeez. Oh, okay. So here, hold on. From kindergarten to fifth grade, it was just under three hours per week. From sixth to eighth grade, it was 3.2 hours. And from ninth to twelfth grade, it was how many hours? Is it Eight, A, one hour? Middle school was three point something? Two. Three middle point. school was 3.2 hours. Is it A, one hour? B, 3.5 hours? C, 4.5 hours? D, 5.5 hours? 4.5. 5.5. 5. 3.5 mm. hours. So there's there's not really an appreciable difference between middle mm-hmm. and hi, middle and high school. Nope. Interesting. I would have not guessed that. I would well, not have either. Number four. When was that study done? 2013. Okay. Number four. Who stated the following quote about homework? John Dewey. I prefer I prefer teachers who give students something to take home to think about besides homework. A. George Carlin. B. Bill Murray. C. Mister Rogers. Or D. Lily Tomlin. I'm going with Mr. Rogers. I get that one. I'm Gen X. All right, I'll go with Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin is correct. Ah! That's painful. Cold L- sauce. Lily Tomlin didn't teach. So what? Do you guys even know who she is? Yeah, she's an actress and comedian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, Number five, this yeah. is Khan Academy. I'm, I'm down 02. Yes, you are. Okay. In 2016, what was Khan Academy's approximate revenue? A, Ooh. $44.8 million. B thirty four point eight million, C twenty four point eight. I'm going million. with the high number forty four. Uh, twenty four point eight. Forty four point eight million dollars. Back in the game, you are. And numbers right, making it I, interesting. Can I tie it up one. at the end? Yes, you can. This is this is, this is an open ended question. Love it. Okay. Okay. But open ended question with but with a one answer. Yes. Okay. There's one answer. So whoever's so closest. Right. Correct. Okay. Number six. What was the genesis of Khan Academy? 
uh, him working with uh, his child. Um, <laughs> being a rich guy with lots of time and money on his hands <laughs> and having a great idea. I'm going to give it to Mr. Dr. Dobbs. You better, you better, you better put the doctor on. <laughs> the, the Mr. Doctor. <laughs> Mr. Dr. The organization Dad. started in 2008 when Sal Khan tutored one of his cousins in mathematics on the internet using a service called Yahoo Doodle Images. Boom. Yeah, I think that that's close enough for yeah. me. I tied it up. Tied. Well done. You, you don't have a tiebreaker in there? I'm going to no. give you a sticker for that. Whoa. Okay, yeah. right My Look, goodness. I got the sticker right here. Boom. No, you're a tie. I like having ties. Yeah. I'm all about ties. He still gets a sticker. Everybody's yeah. a winner. That was that was good. Give me five. Good quiz, Mr. Siddons. Yes. <laughs> there was a low bar from last week. <laughs> as last time. As always, if you have ideas for quizzes for Mr. Siddons, he's all ears, especially in season three where the start's been a little questionable. He's had to do in his defense, he's had to do a, a lot of quizzes. Yeah, watch out for the microphone. There's a lot of there's a lot of weak uh, facts out there about certain education topics. How many things can you really be quizzed on? Correct. Thank you. You do a bang-up job, kids. <laughs> By the way, I got this new computer, and I keep touching it. I want it to be touchscreen. Don't. It's not. Just stop. Beep, bop, boop. It's uncomfortable. All right. You can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter and our spiffy new website, edsnotdead.com and as always we're brought to you by Pulp Education a full service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform Mr. Krabs you want to remind the audience about the swag, swag. giveaway giveaway yep give us a review on iTunes and then let us know that you did so because otherwise we're not going to know who you are <laughs> and tag us and 10 people and say hey listen to this episode it's really great Nice. And then I'll say thank you. And then you'll send me your address and I shall send you five stickers. Okay. And then you have to give them you away might to everyone. Little, you might even get a little little thank you note too. Yeah, there's going to be a handwritten note in there. Absolutely. But I don't want to tell anyone, but that's okay. And sorry. stay tuned for t-shirts coming soon. Coming soon. T-shirts. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and do get on the website and check out all of the very well-written blogs that Mr. Siddons and Mr. Crable have written On a o- side note, over the last couple of years. Do you think people prefer black t-shirts or white t-shirts? Black t-shirts. Of Absolutely. Course. Everybody, black. Everybody, everybody likes... likes okay. That's or gray. No, no, no one likes white t-shirts. I'm a big yeah. fan of gray. Uh, everybody likes black. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Go, true. go with black. Okay. That's what I did, but just making sure. Can't go wrong. Uh Okay, Mr. Graves, you got us hooked up with any special appearances coming up? Yeah, on our next one, uh, which is a bit a bit of a ways away, unfortunately, uh, we do have the one, the only, the Randy Weingarten oh, coming on the show. She's really going to come on. She's really going to so come excited. on. That will be a big deal. <laughs> We've only said it like five times before. <laughs> I know. That's okay. Uh, uh, but yes. Um, she's wanted to come on the show. She, she has. She is a busy person. Yeah, and uh, it's. I think it's actually in some ways better uh, now because I, I do want to talk to her about the cross-section of uh, politics and teaching because uh, AFT is, is quite active politically. Um, so I'm curious to know how... Intersectionality, as the liberals call it. Oh, intersectionality, <laughs> 101. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well placed. Yeah, there you go. But I do want to hear about how teachers can kind of walk that line and, and how to approach it. I'm, I'm curious for her take on that, amongst uh, other things. Okay. And and that'll be like a Dear Betsy... Um, that'll be a Dear Betsy segment in and of itself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, if we go down that rabbit hole, I'm yeah. sure she's got some opinions. Yep. Was uh, that based on a '90s song, uh, Mister Intersectionality? I don't know. Is that, that from '95? Is that from Fish? No, no. I looked it up. It's 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 by Gillette. Uh, <laughs> intersectionality. I don't remember that. No, no okay. memory. No. Gillette. I don't know. I've never heard of it before. I looked okay. it up. All right, that's good. Um, all right, Mister Siddons, you got anything coming up? A baby. Nice. Coming soon. Any any minute. Stay tuned. Any minute. November. I'm counting down weeks. Yeah. All right. Scary. It's going to be great. Scary. And then you're going to be on paternity leave. That's right. But you still have to do the show. That's right. There's no there's no paid leave on, no. Absolutely. on this no. program. <laughs> if I don't show up, I get fired. We expect you here. In the words of Casey Siddons, when you make a commitment to record. That's right. You, re- that's you right. show up and you that's record. Right. Kind of like, right. kind of like I, I want the audience to know that <laughs> I was scheduled to be at my teenager's back to school night tonight, and I didn't have our recording date on the calendar. <laughs> I definitely so. texted and said, hey, you want me to pick up some sandwiches? 
Maybe said when. Like, that's, not good, that's not a good sign. At like six, and I was like, uh, "Okay, why? Uh, yeah. Are you gonna hand them off to me as I'm yeah, going? I'm just gonna give you some sandwiches, man. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Once again, thank you to our special guest Lee. She did a great job. We really liked having her on the show, and we hope that her uncle retweets her awesome appearance on Ed's Not Dead. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Umansky. Yeah. I think Eric. Eric Umansky. Editor for ProPublica. He works for ProPublica. Okay. Yeah. Good. Anyway. some good work for th- Thanks again, Lee, and, and thanks to her mom for allowing her to come on the show. Ellen, we really liked having her. Folks, check out uh, our website, at Ed's Not Dead, or the Twitter, at... Oh, God. That was so <laughs> terrible. So many ats. Crable, right, Ed'sNotDead.com. Crable, you got you to edit that. <laughs> uh, and tune in to episode...